You're listening to the Holistic Healthy Mama podcast. I'm Lauren Madden, your host, and it's my mission and passion to help moms feel more confident and empowered in their motherhood journey through mindfulness, mindset, and self-love so you can be the best mom, partner, woman, and human that you can be. Cool. Well, thank you so much for joining me today. I'm really excited. Um, for those listening, Diane is one of my longtime coaching clients, and um, I know a lot about her experience as a mother. <laughs> but what I also know about her is that you, Diane, have this amazing, uh, this beautiful ability to like really reflect on yourself and your journey and the lessons that you've learned and. I'm really excited to be able to share some of that with, with other mamas out there um, who are listening. So thank you for being here. I appreciate it. Oh, you're welcome. Um, thank you for asking. I'm excited to do it. Yeah, cool. So let's start off. Uh, if you want to just tell us a little bit about yourself and um, you know where you're from, your children's ages, age, yep. anything you want to share personally. Okay. Well, my name's Diane. I live in South Carolina. Um, I work in human resources, which I have done for my entire career. Uh, I have one son who's 28, and he lives several states away from me. And um, parenting adult children is also comes with its own set of challenges to parenting little children. Yeah, for sure. Um, he's 28. Is that what you said? 28. Yeah. Okay. It freaks me out because he's a lot closer to 30 than I like to think. <laughs> yeah I don't know how that happened (laughs) yeah I know I do you feel like at a certain age it just like all went really fast or has the whole has the whole 28 years gone really fast the whole 28 years has gone really fast I mean I remember those moments when he was learning to walk and learning to crawl and going off on his first adventure without me um like they were yesterday yeah it's in a it's in a blink of an eye yeah. And I think that's, that's the, that's the biggest thing, you know, I, I tell, I have friends who are having babies for the first time and it's a constant thing. I tell people to us as parents, it's like someone flipped a switch and this all happened overnight. And I went from having this infant to this young man who towers half a foot taller than me, who has his own life, his own career, his own personality, <laughs> um, and to him, it was like, gosh, it took a long time to get here. Like to him, 28 years was a long time. And to me, it was a lightning flash. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. I know. I'm like not prepared for that at all. I'm like, I would like to have my two-year-old daughter forever. How do I freeze time? <laughs> you know, you got to live in each of those moments. Yeah. I one shortly after Alex was born, I knew I, I, for a variety of reasons that I was only having one child. And I realized that every moment every first, every last mm-hmm. was going to matter. And I needed to sort of not get ahead of myself. I wasn't always successful with that, but I needed to not get ahead of myself. And, you know, that's what people say is, is for us as parents, especially as moms, every, every last is there first. Mm. And I remember I was, I was, I was a mess when he graduated from elementary school. I was okay. When he graduated from middle school, I was a mess when he graduated from high school, I was okay when he graduated from college and then it really hit me when he went off to graduate school that he was never coming home again. Yeah. 
And it's, it's, you know, your mom heart's just like, wait, how do I keep my protective bubble around you? Mm -hmm. Uh, And you can't, you know, they've got to go. They, at that point, actually well before that point, they're their own human and and they're their own personality. And they, I step back and I see both the best and the worst of myself in him. Yeah. And I wish I could spare him some of that as an adult. Um, And I think, you know, I was having a conversation with someone earlier today. And we talked about, I think the most difficult transition is to go from having a parent-child relationship to an adult-adult relationship. Because mm-hmm. in your head, they're still your child. Mm-hmm. Like, I still refer to him as my child. I'm like, okay, he's, he's my son. He's 28. He's, he's a full-blown adult. Right. <laughs> and, you know, he can make good decisions. He can make bad decisions. And, you know, there's, I don't get to affect those anymore. I haven't gotten to for a very long time. Yeah. So at some point you, you, you come to the realization that you've had as much of an imprint on them as you can. And now they're going to go off and be their own human. It's a little like when they're two and you start to see those aspects of their personality come out Yeah. and that I want to do it. I want to do it. When, when no becomes a key part of their vocabulary, mm-hmm. that shows up in a bunch of different ways on, through to today for me, you know, there was, there was all of his determination of learning to walk and you had to you had to let go of their hand at some point right and watch them toddle down the hallway and know that they were probably going to (laughs) fall and you just had to you know pick them up and stand them back on their feet and send them on their way and I think even these days there's less you know picking up and standing on the feet um you're more of a spec it becomes more of a spectator sport when you're Mm -hmm. when your kids are adults Mm mm-hmm yeah, I know. I I'm right in that stage now with Ava. Her new like favorite word is "go away." Or two yeah, minutes. go away, mommy. Go away, daddy. And we're like, okay. But then two seconds later, she comes back and wants a hug. And I'm like, make up your mind. <laughs> what do you want from me? <laughs> um, when you think about like all of the changes that you've had with with Alex and over the years, what would you say is like the biggest thing that's required from you as as his mom in order to to be okay with that distance and that like him becoming his own person. I think, and this is more a function of looking back on it than to say I was hugely successful with this. I think the best thing you can do for your kids is to be you, be your authentic and completely flawed self. Mm -hmm. Because if you cover that up for them, they don't learn how to do that. And I, and I think, but I also think you can start that process at any point in their life. Yeah. You know, there's so many unknowns when you have your first kid. My sister has four children and she, she said to me one time, I really screwed it up with the first two and I learned to get better with the second two. (laughs) And I thought to myself, oh, wait, I only had one. I didn't get that. You know, I didn't get that next opportunity. Mm -hmm. Um, I think it's one of the reasons sometimes people who have multiple kids, they have a ton of pictures of the first child. But by the time they get two or three kids in, there's a lot fewer pictures Mm -hmm. (laughs) because we do all these things when they're the firstborn and they're, they're little that we think that we're supposed to do. I mean, I used to think I had to do it all and then I would get really upset when I couldn't do it all. And none of that probably mattered to him ever. Yeah. And, you know, you're so busy trying to do for him and you know, be superwoman and super mom and all of these things that you lose sight of yourself. And so I think the best thing you can teach your kids is how to be themselves. Yeah. 
for sure. Which isn't something you learn in like a, a parenting book or class no. or anything, no. right? And they, you know, they can be shocked when they find out you're human. And, and I, I remember my, my son was an adult, I think, when he had that moment. And um, it's a learning experience for them, too. You know, if they if you spend so much time trying to be super mom, they don't get to know who you are either. Yeah. And then it make I think that's part of what makes forming that going from that parent child to adult adult relationship that much harder. Yeah. That's true because they don't see you as who you genuinely are. They see you as this like constructed, constructed version of yourself. That's actually right. built on just nothing but expectations and unrealistic standards. Right. And then they carry that forward Yeah, into their own lives and their own future relationships and their own parenting. Yeah. And, and so I think, you know, it's always, and it's hard because it's, I know when, when my son was, was really young, I wanted, I wanted him to have everything. He was, he was an only child for starters. So it was a little, there was a little bit of ease in that. And I wanted him to be able to, to not say, gee, I don't know what the disappointment of not having this feels like. <laughs> and it would really kind of twist myself to, to make all that happen. It never occurred to me to say, you know what, uh, you're going to go have a play date today because mom's going to go get a massage, get my nails done, go shopping, whatever the thing was. And it becomes very easy when they're little because their needs are somewhat all-encompassing to make sure their needs are handled and addressed, but to go and then meet your own needs. Mm -hmm. But it is actually the best thing that they can see you do. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I remember distinctly the first time I left Ava um, with my mom and I literally went to go get my eyebrows waxed. So it was like, it was like five minutes away from my mom's house. It takes what? 10 minutes to get your yeah. eyebrows waxed, five minutes to get back. So it was like less than a half an hour that I left her. And I felt like I was walking away from like the entire universe. And I was yeah. making this grand epic mistake and leaving her. Yeah. And it's like now, I mean, even yesterday I wasn't feeling well. And my mom came over and picked her up and she's still in a super clingy stage for most people, but she has such a good relationship with my mom because I did let her have that solo mm -hmm. time with her that when my mom came to pick her up, she just looked at me and she's like, okay, bye mommy. See you later. Like no problem at all. Yeah. So excited to go spend time with her Nana. And it's, I think what helped me with that early on was like that reframe of that you're giving them a gift of forming a relationship with somebody else. Right. And even if it's not like a family member, even if it's like a babysitter someone who they won't really have a long-term relationship with, you're giving them that time to be independent. Right. And to right. like, figure out what they can do and what they can't do when mom's not around and right. what trouble yeah, they we can had, get into. <laughs> we had, um, I worked throughout Alex's whole life. So I was, he was in daycare mm -hmm. and there was a teacher and her name was Honor and we were going out somewhere and I was feeling a lot of mom guilt about doing that. And I said, well, Miss Honor's going to come. And he was like, oh, Miss Honor's going to come. Okay. Bye. <laughs> Yeah, it's fun like at it, every stop. And it's like, when are you leaving? When will Miss Honor be here? So, you know, if you teach them to form those relationships, they, I think, can be more confident themselves when they're going into what for them could be a scary situation, whether it's a new situation. My son found himself in new situations a lot um, between daycares and schools and 
you know, they weren't always smooth and Mm -hmm. there's always a lot of guilt associated with that. Mm -hmm. You know, when something goes wrong, I think as mom, you assume it's somehow you should have been able to prevent it. But in those moments, you also get to teach them how to handle things when life doesn't go according to plan and it will not go according to plan for most of their life. Right. Right. Yeah. So it's like facing it head on instead of trying to cover things up and keep them safe forever. Um, have there been any challenges that you want to speak about as far as like working with a child? Yeah, it took me a while. Um, and working in human resources, I, I see both sides of this. Yeah. It took me a while to make sure that I was always in organizations that understood that I had this balance of responsibilities. That's for a whole variety of reasons, you know, throughout his life, those responsibilities fell to me. And there were times where school would call, he's sick, you need to come get him. And he'd sleep on the floor of my office for three hours. Um, You know, it wasn't always the best solution. And I think when you move forward to today with technology and just what employers have learned through the pandemic, it's a lot easier now to find a role that, that can be remote, either partially or fully. And it's interesting for me, I have a couple of employees who've just had babies and they're making it work. You know, there's a communication, there's, you know, hey, this is this is the time they just wake up. If we could do the meeting an hour earlier, they'll be asleep. Mm-hmm. You know, while the fact that the rest of us who have already sort of been through those stages recognize that baby schedules are subject to change. Yeah. Um, but I think it, you know, for me, I always sought out that flexibility. And sometimes I just expected it. I just decided this is what I need to do. And I'm going to figure out how to, you know, I got done what I needed to get done, but it was never, it was never at his expense. Um, Not to say there weren't days that I'd get to the end of the day and just be a mess because, you know, the most I was going to be able to do was, you know, call the pizza place to deliver for dinner. And, uh, but you know what? Nobody remembers that. Like when they get older, I don't know that he would remember how many nights dinner was on the table versus how many nights we ate out. So, I mean, I do know some of the things that, that registered with him that, that he remembers. I think, you know, when your kids are growing up, my son would swear we never took a vacation. We did lots of vacations, but they were always with family. Mm. He never apparently considered those vacations. <laughs> so, you know, there's, when the first time that came up, you know, my, my mom brain was like, oh my gosh, I failed because we didn't. And then I went, wait a minute, we took a lot of vacations and we went a lot of really cool places. Yes, we went with grandparents, but as an adult, there were distinct advantages to that. And I was like, yeah, you'll figure that out when you get there and have your own. That's so funny. The things that like you thought were so like meaningful and important. Yes. And, and they weren't in the least. Him. Now, one of the things that I did do and this was a double-edged sword sometimes. He just didn't get, he partially, I guess, because he was in daycare, he got the colds and the chicken pox and all these things when he, before he started school. So by the time he got into school, he hardly ever got sick. So we had what I would call mom mental health days. And I would take him out of school and just use, just say he's not feeling well, or he's got a doctor's appointment or, you know, just use a quote unquote school sick day. And we would go to see theater shows hmm. at, a, at a small local theater in town um, that he remembers. And to this day, he loves theater productions. 
on stage. That's so cool. And, uh, and I was able to cap it off with, with that was when he graduated from law school. That was his gift was to go to New York and see a production that he'd really been wanting to see. That's and, awesome. you know, that's something that he'll always associate with me. And that, that took some doing sometimes to do that, just to make my own schedule work. Mm-hmm. But the other little things that I did that I thought were hugely relative, I, to this day, I don't even think he remembers. But to me, they seem so important at the time. So I think that, you know, when you're a new mom, you do get an idea in your head of what you believe to be important. And it might not be. Yeah. Or not doing something that somehow scarred my child for life. And really, they don't remember those things. Yeah. You know, he remembers playing hooky from school. He remembers, you know, that segued into going to concerts, you know, so he remembers being concert buddies. He remembers how much we would read together because you know, he's an avid reader now, and I always was. Those things he remembers. Mm-hmm. But he doesn't remember, you know, the ultra cool toy you got the third, you know, third right. or fourth Christmas. He just doesn't remember any of that. Right. And, and I thought that stuff was the be all end all, you know? <laughs> yeah. That, well, yeah, that's, that's what consumer society wants you to think, right? Yeah, exactly. I bought you, into that. You buy this toy, then you're, you're the perfect mother and your children yeah. will be happy. exactly cool um yeah I I feel like a lot of it is probably an energy thing right like how did he feel in those experiences when he was going with you and got to skip school and like break the rules a little bit but get to hang out with his mom and it's like for all you know if you had just taken him to the park it might have still been something that like lasted right an imprint on him you know right yeah and I think yeah it's a true statement it's funny what what popped in my head and and I've always thought this I think infants toddlers and maybe just beyond that point they're a lot like puppies (laughs) because because dogs react to the energy in their environment Mm -hmm. and kids do too and and all the all the dog wants is your attention and and for you to play with it that that's really and there were times that I think that was probably all he wanted Mm-hmm. And it didn't, you know, it's like you said, it could have been the park. It didn't have to be, you know, a show on stage. It was just fun to go mm-hmm. and, and do those things. So I think as moms, sometimes we, we overthink it. I about love that. What it has to be. That's amazing. Yeah. I'm thinking about my crazy dog and <laughs> <laughs> she's like the most stressful thing in our home. Most times, like she's so high energy, she's so high strung. And it is funny because I've had to like at night trying to wind down everybody so that Mm -hmm. like mainly so that Ava can go to sleep. Um, It always includes like winding down the dog or like putting the dog outside for a little bit because she's just like so much. She must be young. She's not. She's (laughs) she's five, but she's a pit bull. And yeah, they they have a lot of energy. Mm-hmm. I think yeah. they act like that their whole life because my pit bull is nine. Yeah. Um, and, and the other dog I had um, got to be, be 10 and a half and she was a lot more mellow in her later years than, than this. <laughs> he still, he still has that puppy in him, but you yeah. can sort of see, you know, when the mental energy in your house shifts, the dog's behavior shifts with it. Mm-hmm. Kids are the exact same way. Mm-hmm. They, they are, they are picking up on your energy, not what you're telling them. Yeah. It's so true. I mean, even at night, like when, if we have Cameron, like if both kids are in bed 
and we're just hanging out, our dog literally falls asleep within seconds and she like snores super loud and (laughs) she'll come cuddle with you. And she's like this opposite creature than who she is during the day. But it's like, she just knows, okay, this is like rest time. Yeah. This is quiet time. Yeah. 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 Um, Cool. So I want to talk about just in general, this can be at any phase of your experience so far, but what would you say are some of the biggest challenges that you've had being a mom? Um, you know, I think just early on, it was a, things changed like every six months, you know, from the time he was born and he, he was, he was my first child and obviously my only child. And I had no idea what to expect. And I think I looked you know, sort of too much outside. Like, what am I supposed to do now? How am I supposed to adapt to this? What needs to happen next? You know, what's the developmentally best, developmental best option for him? Um, as he got older, it was finding that balance between pushing him a little bit to be fully who he was, but also accepting fully who he was when it didn't always meet my vision of who I thought he was. And now, you know, into adulthood, it is giving him that space to, to be himself because no matter what you do, they don't turn out the way you think they're going to. Yeah. And I think, I think the more kids you have, and I think most people with multiple kids would say this, they're all very different and they've all, they all have some core basic characteristics. And, and, you know, my feeling was it about maybe 14, 15, my ability to influence who he was going to be was pretty much over. You know, from then on, they're going to take the building blocks that you gave them and then they're going to completely reassemble them in a way that makes sense to them. Yeah. And, and, it, and it's rarely, you know, when you're sitting there holding the infant in your hand, you have the, you have the vision, like I want him to grow up to be president or an astronaut or, you know, whatever the, the thought is. Um, it's unusual that they actually turn out that way. You know, because they're you've given them a personality and, and they're as human as you are and they're going to go do what they want with it. Yeah, So I, I, I think it's to be able to give them that space. It's like, again, when they're learning to walk, it's to let go of that hand at every point. You know, I want to feed myself. OK, you have to let go of the spoon. Like as parents, like you, you as a mom, especially you deliver them. You, you carry them in your body for nine months. You deliver them only to have to let spend the next 18 to 30 years letting them go mm-hmm. and no one prepares you for that mm-hmm. yeah that's such an interesting way of putting it and I like what you said about the building blocks too like you give them the core blocks and then they reconstruct it in a way that makes sense for them and it's like you can have an idea of how you want that to look but chances are it's gonna be very different it's gonna be very different yeah yeah and there's a lot of twists and turns on that path I mean, I remember, you know, what my son's vision for himself was in middle school and what it was in high school and what it was through college and, and where he is now and where he is now is nowhere near those things. Yeah. Which is great. Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, he found, he found a passion that resonated with him. And, and while there was a part of me that thought, are you sure? (laughs) Uh, it is his passion and it does resonate with him. And, um, 
And I think when you, when you can get them to that point, um, then they, they can go off and, and be successful on their own. Mm-hmm. And I don't think there's a specific timeline. I think that's a challenge. I think societally, you know, there's always keeping up with the Joneses and looking what everybody, everybody else's kids is, are doing. And you go, oh, my, my kid's not there yet. Everybody blooms in their own time. But as a parent, there's still a lot of comparativeness. And that's mm-hmm. even true, I think, if you have more than, than one child. And obviously, that wasn't my experience as a mother, but that is my experience as a sibling. Yeah. Um, you know, there's somebody's always holding a bar to measure up to somewhere. And so I think as when they're little, the more self-confidence you can help them develop, which means letting go and letting them fall, either literally or figuratively, um, the better, because they'll get to be adults who are very comfortable in their own skin. And a big part of that too, is what we were talking about earlier of like letting them see you in that. Yeah. And I think like, how do you develop self-confidence if you're not taking risks and you're not putting yourself out there and you're not willing to like, let yourself fall to pick yourself back up as an adult. Right. Yeah. I mean, I used to drop, I used to drop him off at daycare and, and I love the work I do. It, it, it would never have occurred to me to give it up. Um, and he, he, I always had drop off and he would be like, no, mommy, don't go, don't go. And I would drive to work in tears and he'd mm-hmm. be fine. Two minutes after I was out the door, mm-hmm. <laughs> he'd be like, okay, let's go play. You know? And it, it it's funny as I think as humans, we we're, we all try to manipulate people in our own way and kids are masters at it. They find that button and they're just going to lean on it. And because they're, they're learning, I think, about how to get their needs met. I mean, when they're, when they're infant to up until, you know, how old is Ava now? She's two. two yeah. So infant to, to, to about two in that range. Their needs are just met. We assume, we, we presume what they want. We meet that need. But now that you're, this, the transition starts to happen of them going, okay, I have to figure out how to meet my own needs. And in, in that moment, which is what I love about children, they're always in the moment. <laughs> it's about, I don't want my mom to go because I want her to stay and play here with, you know, play with me all day. The, the bigger picture of, oh my gosh, she's leaving me, I think was never part of the equation. Right. He just wanted me to come in and play and have fun. Right. And so when he realized, oh, yeah, okay, she's not going to do that. Well, I'm going to go play and have fun. And he'd be fine. Yeah. And then you would drive to work like sobbing and exactly yourself up. <laughs> exactly. It was a painful, you know, start to every day for me for about 30 minutes to an hour. And once I realized that for him, it was less than five minutes, I realized I needed to adjust on my side. Yeah. And, and know that, that, he, that he was just fine. And, um, you know, he was building relationships. He was learning how to make friends. And later in life, what I was able to see him do was walk into a room full of people he didn't know mm. and sit down and start talking to somebody. Right. And, and I just sort of stood in the back of the room and I was, I was stunned. I'm like, wow, I didn't know you could do that. Yeah. It's crazy to me because of like, because of COVID and the pandemic, like I know a couple kids that live near us that have been like really, really sheltered and really quarantined for whatever reason. 
um, and like haven't like they don't go to daycares, they don't see other kids their age. Some of them are only children. So to see them now, like a year, like over a year later, and and how they're interacting with other kids, like at the playground or just out, you know, walking around, it's so crazy to see it because it's like Ava's been in like a either with other kids at like an in-home daycare or at like a more she's at like a school now it's literally Mm -hmm. like it's it's like a school for like small humans it's so funny they have like art class and PE and like all this stuff um but like she's so like she has no fear of other kids like she's you know and there's pros and cons to it but I think it's like it's one of those things that I had a lot of guilt at first too leaving her and working and um, you know, I think it's, it's viewing it as like what we were talking about earlier, like all the things that you're giving them through mm-hmm. that experience and how that will translate into adulthood. And just knowing that like, it's not, it's not your fault. I think I took it so personally. Cause I felt like I was like, kind of what you were saying. Like I was doing something wrong to her right? or I was like hurting her in some way. And it's like, really, yeah, she would cry for five seconds while I walk out the door and then she has the best day ever. Yeah. Yeah. And you, you just, you constantly think uh, as a, I mean, I, as a new mom, I remember constantly thinking if I don't make the right decision here, I'm scarring my child for life. And the reality is you're probably, you may upset them for five minutes in that moment and and tomorrow they'll forget. Yeah. They, you know, they won't, they won't remember. And, and I think too, that one of the things, you know, we do, we do our kids a disservice if we don't let them see a struggle period, but also struggle, you know, with our own emotions. Mm-hmm. You know, I think kids need to feel safe and they need to feel secure, but they don't need to think that mom never cries or that mom or dad never have a bad day because that's where they're going to learn how to handle that. And I think at that time, I didn't realize how much of what he was observing, he was picking up. And, and, you know, has now carried into adulthood. And I thought, oh, if I knew that then, yeah, <laughs> I might have chosen to do something different. That's um, one of those like reparenting things, right? Like as yeah. a parent looking at, especially like in that regard, like how were emotions treated in my house growing up? And like, did my parents talk to me about how they were feeling? And I think so much of it is generational. Right. And it's like most people, I think, could say that, no, unless they lived in a household that was like, you know, everybody talked about their feelings super openly. I think a lot of people struggle with that. And then you have children and you do you want to like sweep everything under the rug. And I mean, I know there was one even I catch myself doing it still where it's like if Ava's upset about something, I'm like so quick to just dismiss her being upset. And it's but it's okay. Look, like here's a cute little stuffed animal or trying to almost like distract her from the negative feeling. And it's like, well, what is that teaching her as an adult that it's okay. As soon as you start to feel stressed out to just distract yourself with a glass of wine or going out, you know what I mean? And that's like what I think we're all trying to recorrect in ourselves right now and rewriting some of those stories. Yeah. Um, And and it, it hits you in the face when my um, son was applying to colleges uh, he wanted to get into a music program and he preferred to do it in the college in our town because his high school girlfriend was still in high school and he didn't get ex- accepted. You get accepted to the college and then you get accepted to the music program. And and he didn't. And I came home and, you know, it took me about 24 hours to realize, oh, that wasn't the best way to do this. 
And first thing I said is, let's go get something to eat. <laughs> like food will make you feel better. <laughs> and I realized the next day, the message that that had contained. And I went back to him and I said, let's sit down and let's talk about what this felt like for you yesterday. And, and when the conversation was all over, you know, and he talked about how afraid it made him that, that his girlfriend was going to break up with him, which when, you know, when you're 18, that's a big, um, a big transition, but also that he was afraid of moving out and being on his own and what college would be like. And we had a really good conversation. And at the end I said, this is the conversation we should have had yesterday. It shouldn't have been, let's go make you feel better by getting something to eat. Right. And, you know, I, I always tried to go back when I realized I'd made a mistake and say to him, yeah, I didn't handle that well. I'm still doing that today. (laughs) Um, But I think, you know, sometimes we can develop this in our kids where they think mom, mom can't do anything wrong. Mom's perfect. Mm -hmm. And then the moment that that, that image shatters, it's hard for them. It's hard for you. You know, you feel like you let them down. Um, and the reality is they were never expecting you to be that way to begin with. Yeah. I love that phrase. I didn't handle that well. Yeah. I didn't handle it, that well. I mean, it's so like simple and it's not saying like there's anything wrong with you or anything like terrible yeah. happened, but it's just like, I didn't handle that well. Here's what happened. Here's like a new way to look at it. Can we move forward? And I feel like if you're doing that repetitively with your, with your children, like over the period of time that's developing that's like such a strong foundation yeah I think it helps them give themselves grace when when they don't get something right I mean because that's just life we're we're you know and again I can look back at the stuff that I know now that I wish somebody had been able to to give me when I was pregnant Mm -hmm. or when he'd just been born things could have gone so much differently Mm -hmm. I don't know that I would say better because when I when I look at at my son, he turned out great. Not, you know, I only had a partial hand in that. And, and who he is today is, is something that he's predominantly shaped. But I can't look back and say it would have been a better outcome. It would have been different. And I think there are things that would have been easier for me, um, which is why I'm always so, you know, I'm always exci- excited to see the work that you're doing because I think you got to know you're not alone. And, and, these are unknown little creatures that have been handed to you and you, everything changes to, again, to you as the mom, what feels so quick, you know, mm-hmm. like, I, I don't think you go into having a child going, yeah, someday they're going to tell me to go away or the inevitable. I hate you, <laughs> which is just an outpouring of, of emotion. I, a lot of times when, when kids have said that to, to moms or dads, and I've certainly both said it and heard it. Um, it's just their way of expressing emotion in the moment. Mm -hmm. It's not that they hate you. Mm -hmm. It's that you're being a parent and that's not what I wanted. Yeah. And I think so much of that too, is like what I'm discovering in my own journey here (laughs) over here (laughs) to your (laughs) veteran, um, is that like I, those moments that I get triggered by that type of stuff, I think it's a lot of it is, um, around the identity of like wanting to be a good mom of wanting to be a good parent, almost to the point of like that perfectionism, right? Because it's like, well, a perfect parent, their kids wouldn't tell them they hate them or that they're, you know, go away or leave me alone. When in reality, it's like, yeah, they would, because it has nothing to do with you as the parent. Like so much is the way they're 
expressing their emotions, but then it's also like, are there things you can do in those moments to help guide them back to that place of like regulating their emotions and feeling more balanced and all of that, like we were just talking about. So I think it's like, you have to take yourself out of the equation from like a, like not getting offended. Right. Yeah. And it's hard because there's emotion wrapped Mm -hmm. up when you, when you parent. Mm -hmm. I also think you have to take a step back and look at where does your definition come from of what Mm -hmm. a good parent is? Because chances are it's not internal. My God, I know. It's it's either your own mother, a mother-in-law, a a partner's mother, an aunt, television, movies, what you see on Instagram Mm -hmm. and Facebook, which is obviously only people's highlight reels. You don't see the real. I I always feel for for moms in restaurants or stores and they have a kid having a meltdown and they feel like they need to apologize to everybody. Mm -hmm. And I always walk by and go, it's not a problem. I raised one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's happened all the time. Mm-hmm. You know, it's the loudest noise in the room to you and not necessarily to everybody else. Right. So, so I think you always have to be, you have to be thoughtful about how you define being a good parent because chances are that's an external definition, but your feeling of falling short is very internal. Mm-hmm. And I don't think those two things should, should go together. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That was me yesterday. I was at a restaurant and it was like 5 p.m. when we sat down and I was like, this is a terrible idea. <laughs> like, this is a little late for her, but let's see what happens. But I did notice, I will give myself credit, I was a lot less anxious than I normally am, especially mm-hmm. because of COVID. I mean, I just haven't taken her out to that many restaurants in her lifetime because like we didn't have the option. So now that they're open again, you know, we went and we sat down and she was really like, wanting to get out of her high chair, wanting to like move and go see stuff. And we went for a little walk to the outside patio part of the restaurant. And then when we started to go back in towards where our table was, she looked at me and she goes, you stay here, mommy. What? (laughs) Well, you don't want me to come with you? She's like, no, stay here. Um, okay. And then as soon as I picked her up, she started screaming. And it's like, I think you just have that like gut instinct of like, oh my God, the whole room's looking at me. Yeah. My world's collapsing. And in reality, it's like, nobody cares. They don't. So the reality is if they're looking at you, who cares? Right. Yeah. You'll never see these people again. (laughs) And they're probably going, oh, thank God that's not me. (laughs) Right. (laughs) I know. It is so funny. So it's like, I think, yeah, I, I would say too, like along with the whole energy thing, how kids read your energy. I just tried to be really like calm about it. Like this Mm -hmm. is, you know, we're going back to our table now, the food's coming. Like, and, and I wasn't like freaking out about the fact that she was screaming either. Cause I think that sometimes goes against it when you're like, stop, stop screaming, be quiet. Yeah. Like I was like, okay, we're going back to our table. Like, here we go. Sit down. Yeah. And she chilled out within like five seconds. So, yeah. but who it's knows? like, oh, okay. I'm not getting, I'm not, you know, you can, your reaction to their reaction can either move things up or move things down. Mm-hmm. And that if you can find your own mechanisms for being calm, mm-hmm. I remember I, uh, my son must've been about three. And we had, we had an odd living situation. We were, we were living with my brother-in-law at the time. My, my husband at the time was in school and my ex-brother-in-law has a PhD in child psychology. Hmm. So my son is pushing every button I have. <laughs> and he, my ex-brother-in-law puts his hand on my shoulders and he says, it's okay, I'll take care of it. And he goes into the room and comes out incredibly frustrated. <laughs> and I thought, okay, so he couldn't do it either. And my, and my son was still pitching a fit. And I said, look, 
you need to just sit there and I'm going to go in the other room and sit down. Why do I have to sit here? Like, cause mommy needs a time out. And that really gave, like, he stopped like, Oh yeah. Okay. You know, you need one too. <laughs> and I was able to go sit in the other room, you know, breathe my way to being calm and then come back in and be able to say, you know, okay, what's, let's figure out what the problem is here. Yeah. And the reality was he was tired. You know, it's, yeah. as you said, kids are hungry. They get, they have their own little schedules, just like we do as adults. We can get cranky when we haven't eaten when we were supposed to. And they're no different, but they don't know how to express it. Mm-hmm. Like I can say, I'm really hungry. We need to eat dinner. They just know my tummy's rumbling and, and this is taking a long time and I'm someplace different. I don't understand how I'm going to get my food. And, you know, there's more questions in their head that, that they can't, yeah. they can't explain to you. So, you know, they will feed off of your energy in that situation. Yeah. I'm, I'm probably one of the hangriest people that ever has existed on this planet. <laughs> so I, I can't imagine it'll pass down to my children. Well, but um, I can give you a run for your money. <laughs> oh, it's awful. It's awful. Um, so I know you just talked about breathing. I was going to ask you like what tools or what resources have you found throughout your parenting journey that have helped you kind of cultivate this balance and feeling more, even, even things like self-confidence too. Cause I know we've talked about that. Yeah. I think on and off throughout the, a little bit of meditation, just short, like I just need to gather my own thoughts, Mm -hmm. um, help a lot even something as simple as just stopping and, and, you know, taking a deep breath in and out before you respond. And, you know, I think beyond that was the tools to know. I found it very hard to mom when I was tired and I always had to have a plan. Like I would, if I really knew I hadn't slept well, then I had to rethink how the day was going to work. And, and, you know, could I get my mom to pick him up and spend a couple of hours with him just so that I could end up with him. And I, there, there are a number of occasions I would actually come home from work an hour early, but my mom had picked him up from school and she was going to keep him until six and they were going to have dinner together. Mm-hmm. And that gave me typically the, you know, at the end of the day, an hour. And I either came home and took a nap. I came home and sat in the sunshine. I came home and walked the dog. Yeah. I just came home and I didn't clean. I didn't cook. I didn't do anything for anybody else in those moments yeah and I think that's you know that probably served me best as he got older and there weren't sort of as many opportunities for that we were joking about this before we started this um, I'd go sit in my closet and that was sort of where I'd go when I just needed either a quiet space or a meltdown space (laughs) um and as long as he had things to do, it didn't, it didn't matter to him. You know, a lot of days he would be exhausted. You know, we went, he'd be exhausted at the end of a daycare day because that's very stimulating. Mm-hmm. As he grew older, he got into an after-school sport and practice. When he wasn't at school, he'd go do practice on his own. And I mean, gosh, we did everything. We did horseback riding and taekwondo and tennis. And the only thing we didn't do was football. But anything that gave him an outlet for energy, which for me, I think is super important for boys. Um, But anything that gave him that outlet of his energy, 
he would come home at the end of the day and, and be pretty tired. To this day, he gets up really early and goes to bed early, just like he did has done his entire life. So, I, you know, I think giving him an outlet for that energy that didn't always involve me was a good choice. Yeah. And, um, you know, again, I think the best thing your kids can do is see you love yourself and take care of yourself because that's where they're going to learn to do it. Right. So, and then yeah. sometimes I just had to say, you know, dad, <laughs> this is, I need you to play in this block of time and I'm going out and I'm going to yeah. go out with my friends or I'm going to go out and do something because you really can lose yourself to some extent. And that's not really what they need you to do. So, you know, maintaining those friendships, if you volunteer, maintaining those volunteer opportunities, you work outside the home, you know, maintaining a good connection there. Um, you know, life doesn't end just because you had, your life doesn't end just because you had a baby. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I know for me, it was like, I had to view it almost as like, um, I'm trying to think of how to like say this the right way. Like, I can't even, I can't, I can't think of how to express it verbally. <laughs> I'm change, changing my direction here. But for me, it was like, um, when she was born, I felt very like vulnerable and very like I didn't want to go do a lot of things that I used to find joy and peace in Mm -hmm. and it was like rediscovering like what things do bring me happiness what things do give me that like me time again and almost like experimenting with new things because I didn't like leaving the house for more than like 30 minutes to an hour at first Mm -hmm. And then like, I remember the first time I had to stay away from her for a full night and I was just like, oh my God, like I was so excited to come home, even though like before I left, I was so looking forward to having time to just sleep by myself and like sleep in, which is like funny because I I think I slept till 6 a.m. I'm like, (laughs) woohoo, crazy lady over here. Um, but but yeah it's like I had to kind of figure it out as I went of like well what works for me now knowing that it's very different than what it was before and giving myself space to like relearn that about myself too mm -hmm. yeah yeah and I think it's you know I don't think well I think these are good things like if you get a group of kids together and moms together and kids go to the park and play and the moms sit there and uh, trade tips and do whatever they're going to do. That isn't quite it. You know, you really have to be able to carve out time for you. And that actually, that's how you refill that cup, you know, and then you have enough to give, Yeah. to give to however many children you have, because they all need something from you. And, but you know, like there was that line in the movie, but did you die? <laughs> you know, as long as the kids are safe and you can go take a few minutes to yourself, it's okay. They're not going to get 20 years down the road and go, oh my gosh, remember this one time? Yeah. Mom went and did something for herself. That was terrible. That conversation will never happen. It's only happening in your mom head, in your yeah. mom brain. That's so true. That's so funny. Oh, I love it. Um, I know we don't have a ton of time left, but I have two more questions for you. So if you could go back, I know you had alluded to this, but if you could go back to like the first day that you found out you were pregnant and all the things that were rushing through your head at the time and as like current version self, what would you 
offer that version of yourself, what words of advice would you give her? Oh, I would tell her to be calm. It's all going to be okay. And, and you really can't screw this little human up. Yeah. No matter, no matter what you think. You, no matter you really how much can't. you think you will. <laughs> yeah. No matter how much you think you will, you won't. And just sit back and, and enjoy watching their journey mm-hmm. because you brought them into the world and you're work, you're literally working yourself out of a job, so to speak. And yeah. so you might as well enjoy each turn in the road. And, and they're not all, they're not all great feeling turns, but even in the most difficult of circumstances, I think there's something there to enjoy, whether it's a connection or them learning to do something on their own or discovering that they love something that you didn't know they loved. Um, you know, because they, like us, are probably a continuous work in progress. So there's always something to learn. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I don't know why it is I always thought he'll be this sort of ever-changing person until he's 18 and then that won't happen anymore and then I realized in the years after that no it was pretty much this is going to go on you know forever and it's a good thing so I think it's just to be able I'd go back and tell myself just be calm it'll be okay yeah and I think part of that too is like just being present like they kind of go hand in hand like the more present you are usually the more calm you are right yeah And you're able to just like see those things for what they are and be in those moments and knowing that things change and he's changing and you're changing. And it's like, you get to just enjoy it. Yeah. And they'll learn that skill from you. Yeah. And they'll take that in, into adulthood and their own parenting journey. You like read my mind. Cause I was going to ask you if, you know, I don't know if he's, going to ever have his own children but if he did what would be like some of the messages that you would want to pass down as far as how he parents and things that you know you hope he has taken away that he can bring to the next generation I think be calm and have fun in the moment because when the moment's gone it's gone and in 18 years 20 years 25 years goes by really quick I think yeah. that's, that's, and, and, and that's also something I think he just struggles with as an adult is sort of, you know, let go and be in, let go and be in the moment and let them lead you. I think a lot of us struggle with that. Yeah. Yeah. It's a practice for sure. It, it is a practice. Absolutely. And uh, there were moments I was good at it and there were moments I wasn't and the moments I was good at it, I wouldn't trade for anything. Yeah. Love it. Love it. Love it. Well, thank you so much. Oh, you're welcome. This was fun. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. As you know, my mission is to help moms like you feel more confident and empowered in your motherhood journey so that you can be the best mom, partner, woman, and human being that you can be. 
If this sounds like your jam, please subscribe to this podcast and share it with your friends. You can find me on Instagram and you can also find out more about my private coaching program and apply for a free confidence call online at www.laurenmaddencoaching.com.